What's going on, guys? Zach from the Wrestling with Issues podcast, and welcome to episode 122 of the Young Lions Perspective. So glad to have you guys here with me on this lovely Monday afternoon, and I hope you're enjoying your day, your night, your afternoon, your evening, wherever you may be, wherever you are in the world. Thank you guys so much for taking out this episode of the podcast, and as always, I greatly and truly appreciate it. Hopefully, you guys enjoyed your weekend. Um, I sure as hell enjoyed mine. I pretty much did absolutely jack shit this past weekend. Uh, just pretty much just uh, recovering from uh, finishing up my last of my overnight shifts. Started my new job. And I'm feeling pretty good, you know, knowing that I have, you know, day shifts again. And I'm able to record episodes now more than likely, more, more, like, more often than not on a regular basis. And we'll talk about the scheduling um, towards the end of the show. And we'll, you know, go from there. But today is, of course, Monday. And that means we get to talk about the news of the weekend. And my, oh my, there have been some news. But more importantly, over the past few hours, um, this story about Jordan Miles. Uh, this year's NXT breakout tournament winner had some comments about a uh, some merch that was made for him. Um, now, for most of y'all, y'all have probably seen the shirt already. For those of you who have not um, seen the shirt, I'll pretty much try to explain it as best as I possibly can. Now, the design itself. Um, Black t-shirt. Um, think of... this, And I'm going to go into, go into a little anime action here. Think of Mr. Popa. Um, from Dragon Ball Z. Uh, pretty much blackface. Um, red lips. And then white. Everything else in the mouth. I came out wrong, but you get the point. So... It has uh, it's like red, looking like a smile, and then in the middle of that, it looks like what well, looks like teeth, um, and has Jordan Miles' name on there is as the teeth, um, for the mouth itself. Now a lot of people have seen it, and there has been some backlash, um, with this T-shirt, and Jordan Miles literally went off on you know went on a little bit of a tirade if you will about this and I'm, I pulled up an article the latest article from wrestlinginc.com written by Mark Middleton Jordan Miles blast WWE and ROH says WWE doesn't care about black people so let's get into this article and kick off the episode in proper YLP fashion, shall we? As noted, WWE issued a statement this weekend after NXT superstar Jordan Miles called out the company, Vince McMahon, and Triple H on Twitter after he felt that his first official t-shirt design was racist. Miles tweeted, quote, they'll regret making this. Hashtag for the culture. I will keep posting this till my voice is heard. I'm not sorry for anything I say or do. Representation is important. 
If this is at Vince McMahon and at Triple H vision of me, then this is a slap in the face to every African-American performer, fan, and supporter. Now, end quote. Now, now WWE had a statement over the weekend stating, quote, Albert Hardy Jr., a.k.a. Jordan Miles, approved his t-shirt for sale. As always, we work collaboratively with all of our performers to develop logos and merchandise designs and get their input and approval before proceeding. This was the same process with Albert, and we responded swiftly once he later requested that the logo t-shirt be redesigned. No t-shirts were sold. And quote. So, so far, we got into some things. Now, in an update. The former ACH and winner of the 2019 NXT Breakout Tournament took to Twitter this morning and responded to a fan who asked the WWE statement was true. Miles responded, quote, when I originally saw the design, when I originally saw the design, I was uncomfortable. Rather than addressing the issue, I decided to counter offer with another. Baker Landon lied to my face. He said Triple H wanted this design, so my hands were tied. I spoke with Triple H in person, and his impression was I approved. And quote, in another tweet, Miles included a screenshot of his email from Baker Landon and told him, go fuck yourself, or pretty much he said G-Y-F, G-F-Y-S. Miles then captioned the email screenshot with, don't believe me, email him and ask him yourself. G-F-Y-S, Baker, end quote. A September 11th email from Baker read, quote, Hey Albert, Triple H attended a meeting and had a revision for your logo, but loved it for your character. He wanted to the letter he wanted the letters to be more teethy, and what I have attached is what he liked. Also have basic t-shirts on there that he approved as well. Road Dog preferred the gray, but let us know what you think. Thanks. Baker, end quote. Landon is a digital designer and creative services talent coordinator for WWE. It looks like his LinkedIn page has been recently deleted. Miles posted another tweet that called out the company for employing WWE Hall of Famer Hulk Hogan. He wrote, quote, the whole WWE system is fraud. They created the system where you can't trust anyone. You grow cold and you grow apart from what you love the most. The fact that Hulk Hogan is still employed after giving the locker room an apology for being caught says enough. Hashtag for the culture. End quote. Miles then tweeted a video where he said, WWE doesn't care about black people, end quote. The video has since been deleted. Miles also called out Ring of Honor and Jay Lethal. He tweeted a photo of Lethal in ROH and wrote, fuck ROH too. They only allowed one African-American to be the top guy, while guys like Cedric Alexander, TD... Malcolm Veli, pretty much talking about Stokely Hathaway, and myself have to chase this visible carrot on a stick. Name another African American who was who has reached great heights there, other than this Uncle Tom. And quote. Updated on that was Miles quickly tre- deleted his tweet on ROH and Lethal, but you can see the screenshot below, and we will be seeing that in just a moment. Another fan wrote to Miles and said, "Quote: This is getting ridiculous. Oh, I forgot. You're perfect, and I've never made a mistake, right?" No one is holding a gun to your head and making you stay. Leave and go do something else if it's that horrible. That shirt was not made for the reasons you are saying. He responded this morning and wrote, quote, I'm far from perfect. I'm willing to do anything for the job of my dreams to make things work for both parties. I only agreed to the shirt because it was shown to me on a white tee. Once placed on a black tee, you can clearly see the racist intentions, end quote. 
stay tuned for updates on the situation you can read you can see miles related tweets below and this and pretty much just shows all the tweets that he had and this was going to be the lead i was going to leave this in as the top story of the day anyway but i i didn't know what had happened after the fact now i've seen the shirt i've seen the shirt design I described it as best as I could. And from what I gather, now from what I've also heard and read, um, they also stated that what they were trying to go for was more along the lines of the Rolling Stones. That to me is bullshit. That is a pretty weak statement if you think about it. Um, I'm actually looking at it right now. And like I said, is uh, now, first and foremost, I've seen a lot of shirts lately from, you know, this graphic designer, all that shit. Don't mind me, I'm just trying to readjust myself and get comfortable. Because I'm going to settle in and we're going to do this real quick. So I have a a related article of this, and this is from Mandatory.com. Jordan Miles speaks out against his WWE shop T. Quote, representation is important. This is from Dominic D'Angelo that came out yesterday. NXT's Jordan Miles, whom whom many know as ACH during his ROH days, went on Twitter this morning to air his grievances regarding his WWE shop t-shirt. Miles' shirt has a name contained in a big smile against a black background and calls out the racial implications that a design like that portrays. He tags both Vince McMahon and Triple H in the tweet saying, of course, what he said before, talking about his uh, representation is important, pretty much uh, about African-American performers and all that. Um, There was a tweet that came out from a fan saying, um, you poor soul, what the fuck is that shirt? They did not even show you this beforehand. To which Jordan replied, Nothing poor about my soul. This shirt is what's wrong with America and the wrestling industry. Um, he also says, quote, I've used this shirt as fuel. I knew the shirt existed and my soul hasn't been able to rest properly since I've laid eyes on it. My voice will be heard. My true opinion will be heard. And my people will have their moment. End quote. Miles also shared a racially insensitive picture for reference of what a t-shirt design like that depicts. Of course, talking about blackface and the menstrual show back in the day and all that good shit. WWE has different custom options for a shirt from Miles, but that doesn't sway his opinion on the matter. And he also said in a tweet, quote, does it matter if the shirt was replaced? The fact that they even made the first one overshadows anything till we get what we deserved. And quote, Miles made his way to WWE back in February of this year, along with Karen Grimes, Cameron Grimes and Karen Q. So what I think about this is that now the design itself was pretty shit. I'm not going to lie. I, I, now, I didn't like the design for the fact that it just looked like straight garbage. I really didn't um, notice the so-called racial overtones until it was pointed out by Jordan Miles himself. 
And then I looked at it again and I was like, oh, that's going to be interesting. Now, I personally am of mixed race. My mom is black. My dad is uh, white, but he's also Czech, a majority Czech. Now, I believe there's a little bit of Scottish in there somewhere. I'm not exactly sure. I have to look at my Facebook messages to be sure of what he actually said I actually am on his side of the family. But I know predominantly I am Czechoslovakian, hence my last name, Ruzitska. But as a person of, as a person of color, for the most part, you know, it's a very sensitive topic when you get into situations like this. Um, it has been noted, you know, over the years that, you know, black performers in WWE don't really get that much shine. Now, a lot of people will probably tell me, but they gave Kofi Kingston a run with the WWE Championship to that, to that I, I reply, and that's well and good. Honestly, Kofi Kingston deserved to have that moment at WrestleMania defeating Daniel Bryan and winning the WWE Championship. The storyline called for it, and the, you know, adoration of the fans for Kofi, especially if they were they were all behind him 100%. I was behind him. I'm sure you were as well. I'm not the type of person to just go full Black Lives Matter and just wow the fuck out and just be like, that's racist. There are racist overtones in this. Point noted. Not even going to question it. I get it. If he had just kept it to just strictly talking about the design and just said, hey, this is this is in poor taste. I'm not really a fan of this. I would love to, I would, uh, you know, if he had just kept it talking about the T-shirt and not going into blasting ROH and all this shit, I would have more a more positive reaction to what Jordan Miles is talking about. That's not to say I don't stand behind Jordan Miles to stand up for what he believes in, because honestly, the, the shirt itself is doo doo. The design itself is straight garbage. It's hot garbage. It is so terrible, and they could have done so much better with the design of one Jordan Miles. Not even going to lie about it. But when it comes to him then blasting Ring of Honor and calling Jay Lethal and Uncle Tom and all this shit, that's when I think he may have overstepped his bounds. Personally. It might have been a little too much for you know, in this case. Now, like I said, he is entitled to his opinion 100%. And I'm not going to knock that for one second. I just personally believe that he may have just overstepped his bounds just a little bit in saying what he said about, you know, Jay Lethal and ROH and all that shit. It's crazy. It's crazy in, you know, like I stated before, WWE has a history of not really pushing black performers to the moon. Like a lot of people said, I mean, Kofi Kingston was the most recent case of, you know, a black, an actual black performer, an actual African-American performer being the top guy. And 
you know, with Booker, especially the one that always comes to mind is Booker T. Booker T was pretty much in, you know, was going to go to WrestleMania to face Triple H for the champ for the World Heavyweight Championship at the time. And that one did not turn out very well. Trust me when I tell you. If you want to know part of the reason why, I believe I, I forget the name of it, but there were there's a documentary out that I have not watched yet, and I plan on doing so, um, where they talk about burying Booker T. You can probably find it on YouTube. You know Booker T. Triple H. Search that, um, and they'll probably you know you'll probably find a shit ton of content explaining what happened with Booker T. and Triple H. Trust me when I tell you it didn't end well. I would want you to go check that out for yourself and, you know, listen to Triple H's promo at one point. I believe he's, uh, he said, boy, you know, to a lot of people that would be considered racist that, you know, you know, back in the day, um, white people would would call, uh, you know, black people boy and all that shit. And a lot of you, and, you know, they're still clinging on to that. I understand where Jordan Miles is coming from. I really do. I did, like I said, I think he really overstepped his bounds once he started blasting Triple, well, not Triple H, blasting ROH, calling Jay Lethal and Uncle Tom, all this shit. Now, like I said, since he deleted, he's then since deleted the tweet. But I'm sure a lot, and of course, a lot of people screenshotted it screen grabbed it and put it out there it's now big news I don't know what's going to happen because let's look at the last time an African American performer got screwed over and pretty much left off of television for uh, five months five to nine months Leo Rush if my mind serves me right I believe he was just getting into NXT. He was just a PC guy. And I think this was upon the release of Emma, one to Neil Dashwood. And he said some slick shit about, you know, Emma being released, this, that, and the third. And he caught a lot of flag for that. A whole lot of flag for that. I believe it was about Emma. Hold on, let me see. If I can look this up real quick. Let's see. Really a rush tweet. Yep. Bang. Yep. This is 20. This is actually two years ago this month when he talked about making, you know, getting pretty much destroyed on Twitter. Now he was just getting into, I believe he was just getting into WWE at this time and I'm just gonna talk about it Leo Rush makes light of Emma's release gets yelled at by everyone then apologizes so what he had wrote on Twitter was he cracked a joke on Emma after she had gotten released 
saying, quote, I guess these are the things that happen when you're truly not ready for Asuka. End quote. And boy, did he get roasted on Twitter. Melina pretty much said, show some respect. Have some class. You work for the same company. I'm so disgusted. Xbox came out, said, sad to see this from you. Bray Wyatt said, you ain't going to make it here with the wolves, kid. Lufisto came out and said, laughing at someone who just lost their job. Crassy as fuck. Keep your chin up. Tessa Blanchard called it tacky. Peyton Royce pretty much stated, wow, kid, didn't you just get here? Professionalism goes a long way. Buddy Murphy coming out and saying, oh, Leo, with a gif of uh, someone face palming. And then at the end, he posted a lengthy apology and at the urging of Taz, deleted the original tweet. Of course, uh, the apology came out saying, so busy trying to be a a comedian, you forget you're a dumbass from Dash Wilder. Jack Gallagher posted apologizing because people didn't like your joke, not for joking about someone losing their job. Also, try the English clashes at the PC. Now, mind you, the kid is, now, this guy is 24 years old. Now, he's still a youngin in the game. He's still a youngin in the game, and he may have said some things that uh, rubbed a lot of people the wrong way, and that put him in the doghouse for a little bit. You know, like I said, just coming into the PC and putting that out there, not a good look for one Leo Rush. Now, since then, he has... uh, done, you know, work with Bobby Lashley, being, you know, his uh, right-hand man, went away for a while, a couple months later, he comes back to NXT, is now the current reigning and defending NXT Cruiserweight Champion, so it does go to show that, you know, if you do right by WWE after getting pretty much roasted, um, good things can still come out of it, he had to, he had to take that heat, he was in the doghouse for quite a while after that. In the doghouse, and Leo, I'm sure for like a motherfucker learned his lesson. In terms of Jordan Miles, I respect the fact that he did, you know, that he did fight for what he believed in. He wanted to have a different design and didn't want to make it too much of an issue, and he counter offered a different design. Now, whether or not you know. He was lied to. We still don't know about that. But you also have to give a little bit of blame to Vince McMahon and Triple H because they did approve the design. Now, Jordan, now, like they, like they said in the tweet, it was a collaborative effort in order for this to go down the way it did. Now, the fact that he put it on, they put it on a black T-shirt and showed it like that. That's gonna that's gonna rub a lot of people the wrong way, the woke folk on Twitter. And I don't know what's gonna happen with Jordan from here. He they they may bury him. They may keep him off of television for a while as a way of saying, you know, a this is not how we do things here. I'm sure ROH doesn't really see him in a nice light. Jay Lethal probably doesn't see him in a nice light. Call being called an Uncle Tom. 
Um, which basically, for those who don't know what that uh, saying means, um, basically, Jordan Miles called out Jay Lethal for so, so-called being white, being Uncle Tom. And that was in poor taste. Yes, Jay Lethal was was one of ROH's biggest commodities. Still is. But for Jordan Miles to go off the way he did and to act and to tweet the way he did. Like I said, I commend him for having an opinion. I do. Everyone's got an opinion, as do I. I just don't think going about it on social media would have been the best of ideas because now look what's happened firestorm feel me listen I don't know what's going to happen with Jordan now because of this WWE can pretty much bury him I don't think Triple H will do that because he knows how good of a talent Jordan Miles is considering the fact that they had him win the breakout tournament I just don't know where they go from here. But I know Jordan could have went about this a better way than going on Twitter and bitching. The second I saw that, I saw that reaction from him going towards Jay Lethal, I knew this was a little bit too extra for anybody to deal with. I don't know what's going to happen in the future. I don't. The design, personally, is straight garbage. They could have done a better job trying to make a better design. And I've seen different designs for certain talents in NXT, and they look like hot garbage. I've seen Aaliyah's. That one was pretty garbage. I think I've seen Angel Garza's. That one looked absolutely garbage. I've seen different talents merch, and and who and this Baker Landon guy, if he was the one that was behind making these designs... They need to go back to the drawing board immediately and make better merch because whatever they're doing is hot garbage. It's straight garbage. Both sides are at fault here. And what I mean is that I mean WWE and Jordan Miles. WWE for bringing that design up because it's a shit design. It looks it looks absolutely fucking terrible. And what they were trying to do is make it look TV didn't really come across as TV. It just came across as dumb as fuck. Jordan Miles is at fault for basically going off the rails. Like I said, it's one thing if you just kept it strictly to the design of the shirt and said, this is something I didn't want. I did speak with Triple H. He thought I approved it. I did not. Blah, blah, blah. Had he kept it with that, I don't think this would be as big of a story as it is right now. But now there's going to be a lot. I'm sure there's going to be a lot of black people that are going to go. that are going to be in this corner. And there's going to be a lot of, you know, the woke folk in this corner and all that. I just don't know what they're going to do with him. I don't know what the next step is going to be. I don't know what the next move is going to be. I don't know if they're going to come back and make a different design for a shirt. I don't know if they're going to just keep the shirt. Now, mind you, they've said they've no, no shirts have 
no shirts with this design on it got sold. I have to take about that word for that. You know, you're only as good as your balls and your word. I just don't know what's going to happen from here right now, but this, this is any, if any, there's any breaking news, I will definitely tell y'all as soon as I find out whether it be on here on the podcast, where I do like a breaking news segment or on Instagram, I just don't know what they're going to do with this. This is a big deal for a lot of people, African-American people, black folk, I know are going to wild out. I know they're going to wild out over this. You know, saying this is racist and all that. And it does have some racial overtones. I'm not going to lie. Now, they tried to, now, they did say, you know, they tried to make it like, you know, because Jordan smiles a lot. Jordan Miles is a smiley guy, you know, a very over baby face, smiles a lot. And I knew that's what, and I saw that's what they were trying to go for. Again, the design was garbage. It came across terribly. And, you know, it's just it, it, it was pretty much one of the worst designs I've seen. Now, I own a Chapa t-shirt. I own an Adam Cole t-shirt and they look fucking phenomenal. I'm planning on buying a hopefully a Velveteen Dream, a Pete Dunn shirt in the future. I want to get a Randy Orton one. And usually those designs are pretty solid. Those designs look pretty darn good. I just don't know what's going to happen in the future for one Jordan Miles. So what we're going to do here real quick, uh, we're going to take a quick break, reset, and then we're going to get into the remainder of the articles that I have pulled up on my laptop, and we're going to talk about the rest of the stuff of news for episode 122 of the Young Lions Perspective. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. And welcome back to episode 122 of the Young Lions Perspective, going over the news of the weekend. And this just came across my Twitter just a couple of minutes ago. And of course, I don't like to talk about viewership ratings, but this is a big fucking deal. This I just saw this on Brian Alvarez's Alvarez's Twitter. And I got this from LordsofPain.net. For those of you who know, LordsPain.net used to be the uh, where I actually used to talk about my previews, my reviews for um, NXT and all that stuff back when I first started doing this show. But now we use ChairShot.net because it has a little bit more uh, detail to it. But from LordsPain.net, WWE SmackDown viewership down for FS1 airing. WWE backstage viewership also down for Mark Middleton. Friday's WWE SmackDown episode on FS1 Drew. I'm going to give you a few seconds to try to guess what you think they got. Don't cheat. Don't cheat. Don't cheat. You got your guess? Locked in? Okay. Let's see how you did. According to Showbuzz Daily, Friday's WWE SmackDown episode on FS1 drew 
888,000 viewers. 888,000 viewers. SmackDown also drew a 0.27 rating in the 18 to 49 demographic, ranking number nine in the cable top 150. This is down from last Friday's SmackDown episode, which drew an average of 2.418 million viewers with a 0.7 rating in the 18 to 49 demographic. SmackDown was 18th for the night on cable in viewership and number nine in the cable top 150. The NBA game between the Jazz and the Lakers topped the night in the 18 to 59 demographic cable top 150 with a 0.74 rating with just 1.783 million viewers. The Rachel Maddow show topped the night in viewership with 2.735 million viewers coming in at number 12 in the cable top 150 with a 0.23 rating in that 18 to 49 demographic. The special airing of Backs, WWE Backstage, which aired right after SmackDown on FS1, drew 426,000 viewers. Backstage also drew a 0.14 rating in the 18 to 49 demographic. The special airing of WWE Backstage that aired back on Tuesday, October 15th, drew 597,000 viewers and ranked number 25 on the cable top 150 with a 0.2 rating in the 18 to 49 demographic. Backstage will begin airing weekly on Tuesday, November 5th at 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on FS1, which by that point I will be asleep. As noted, SmackDown aired on FS1 instead of Fox due to the MLB World Series coverage. SmackDown will return to Fox this week. To compare, last week's pro wrestling viewership looks like this. Monday's post-draft edition of WWE Raw on the USA Network drew an average of 2.34 million viewers, up from last week's 2.287 million from the draft episode. Number five in the 18-49 demo on the cable top 150 for the third week in a row with a 0.75 rating. Tuesday, WWE Total Divas drew 279,000. I don't care about that. They can kiss my ass. AEW Dynamite drew 963,000 viewers down from the previous week's 1.014 million. Dynamite was number four on the cable top 150 with a 0.45 rating in the 18 to 49 demo. NXT drew 698,000 viewers down from the previous week's 712,000 viewers, ranking 21st in the cable top 150 in the... um, 0.21 0.21 rating in the 18 to 49 demo. So, let me get this straight. You literally went. Now, no, we're only going to go from Fox Premiere till now. In the fir- in the first four weeks. You went from 3.9 million to losing a million viewers in a week for your draft episode, Post Hell in a Cell, to then losing another 300,000, actually 459,000. No, 359,000, I'm sorry. To then falling off a fucking cliff and lost 1.5 million viewers in a week. My God. Could this be any more laughable? 
AEW beat SmackDown by a hundred, by almost a hundred thousand viewers. AEW beat SmackDown by almost a hundred thousand viewers. Went to FS1, lost a 1.5 mil. Off the rip. This is not even saddening. It's not even it's not even close to being sad. Not even close. It's quite foolish. Quite foolish. Of WWE to believe that they've got something going here. We are literally three days away from Crown Jewel. Uh, event I guarantee you no one gives an absolute fuck about. I don't. I really could give a fuck less. But it goes to show you when SmackDown produces shows, when SmackDown's creative team produces shows like this. When you insult the intelligence of your fans. When you do stupid bullshit episodes. Now, I haven't watched any episodes over the last two weeks of SmackDown. A, due to the fact that, well, I was working overnights the last two weeks. So the last two Fridays, I haven't been able to actually check out SmackDown, nor do I actually give a fuck. Excuse me. But at the same time, you switched over to a different channel. And in the process, lost 1.5 million fucking viewers. That is terrible. So in a span of four weeks, you have literally lost 3 million viewers. That is a problem. A big fucking problem. And if it doesn't start being addressed, if this doesn't start getting addressed, because y'all know I don't fuck with Raw. Y'all know I'm not fuck with Raw because it's three hours of my time that could be better spent doing other productive shit at this point I am close to not watching Smackdown Live anymore because there are two hours I could be spending doing better productive shit if you ever want to know how to lose 3 million viewers just follow the model for the past 4 weeks you got the hype with the big, with the debut episode on Fox. We knew they were going to draw big numbers. It's all at that point about retaining those numbers. And they haven't even come close. Not even fucking close. You lost 1.5 million viewers in a week. I don't care if you went to a different channel. It doesn't 
matter. When you have Shorty Gable, yes, Shorty Gable, looking like a fucking Harlem Globetrotter. Do you honestly believe people are going to fucking watch this shit? Honestly, let's be real with yourself. Let's be real. You literally lost 1.5 million viewers in a week, switching over to a channel. And like on FS1. Because of the World Series. And knowing for a fact that you're, you, you planned a show that was dog shit. Now bear in mind, that was Bruce Pritchard's, Bruce Pritchard's first official show as executive creative director of SmackDown Live. Let's get that one thing straight. Do we blame Pritchard? Of course we do. He's writing the shows. He's, he's the one that's being creative. You know who else we're gonna fucking blame? Vince McMahon. <laughs> Patriots resigned Cody Kessler. Well, um, what are you gonna do this week? I mean, anything you do on Friday this week is going to be a ratings victory because it's gonna be much higher than eight hundred and eighty-eight fucking thousand. Are you kidding me with this shit? 888,000 people actually have the balls to sit down and watch this shit? That's a damn shame. That's a damn shame. When you have AEW not only beating NXT on Wednesday, but beating SmackDown? Oh, I don't, like I said, I, you can, you can make up, you can make up this excuse all you want. But they were on FS1 last week. They weren't on Fox. That's because the World Series was on Fox and they moved over. It doesn't matter. It doesn't fucking matter. Sure. Astros won game five. Sweet. Do I think they're gonna do we're gonna think they're gonna finish the job tonight? I don't know. Will I watch? Maybe. Actually, I'm lying. Dolphin Steelers is on. I'm just gonna make sure that I pad my lead, even though I won my fantasy league this week. I want to see if Mark Walton's really the real deal. But this is but this is garbage. This is absolute garbage. 888,000. You fucking kidding me? Man, let me get off this topic before I start, before I make this whole fucking segment. Anyway, continuing on with the news. This is a little WWE rumor. Um, as, as I always say with rumors, always, 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 always take it with the biggest grain of salt. Because... What? 25 cent? What? Oh, for those of y'all, uh, breaking news, um, for those of you who love Applebee's, apparently 25 cent boneless wings are a thing now over there for a limited time only. Um, hopefully that goes down on a Sunday because I would have really love to go over to Applebee's while watching football and seeing Tampa Bay get destroyed. Anyway, like I said, take every rumor that we talk about here in the Young Lions, Long Lions perspective with a grain of salt because it could just end up being absolutely dog shit. Anywho, but this is the little rumor that we got going on right now. From SportsKita.com from Shivan Sachdeva. I probably butchered that name like a motherfucker. 
possible controversial finish being planned for Brock Lesnar's match at Crown Jewel. WWE's next event to take place in Saudi Arabia, Crown Jewel, is shaping up to be an exciting event. <laughs> you fucking retard. <laughs> an exciting event. <laughs> With huge matches. Including a false count anywhere match between Seth Rollins and Bray Wyatt for the US Championship, as well as Brock Lesnar versus Kane Velasquez for the WWE Championship, among others. Lesnar has won the WWE Championship after defeating after defeating Kofi Kingston in a matter of seconds in the first division, first edition of SmackDown on Fox. While the New Day member has completely vanished from the title picture ever since he lost the belt. WWE's newest superstar and Brock Lesnar's longtime rival in UFC, Kane Velasquez, has received a shot at the top belt in his very first WWE match. WWE has backed themselves into a corner yet again by booking Brock Lesnar to take on his former nemesis in his first title defense, as having Lesnar would lose would tarnish his legacy, whereas having Kane taking the defeat would make him seem like a non-threat. No fucking shit! Another controversial finish? As per Cade side seats, here is what WWE are likely planning. Quote, Brock Lesnar isn't expected to lose the WWE Championship anytime soon, so expect some sort of schmoz finish at Crown Jewel. Schmoz. It's a great word. Great fucking word. The, the company received... I was about to say the schmoz. The company received major heat from the fans for the schmoz finish at Hell in a Cell, when the Universal Championship match between Seth Rollins and Bray Wyatt was stopped by the referee midway. A smaz finish is where one where the fight finishes in general chaos without any proper conclusion or intricate booking. You learn something today. See, we learn here on the Young Lions perspective. It would be safe to assume that the fans will not be happy if WWE is planning to give along those lines for the first clash between the two former UFC champions in WWE. Listen, I can give eight fuck less about what their fuck they're going to do. <laughs> I'm sorry, I just saw a picture. Yeah, we'll talk about that in a minute. Um, I can give, honestly, a fuck less what they have to say or what they're going to do at Crown Jewel. They can kiss my ass. I will not be watching Crown Jewel. Crown Jewel absolutely is a fucking joke. It is a money grab. It is the worst possible thing WWE has probably ever done. One of the dumbest things they could have uh, probably ever done in the history of their company was actually make a deal with the Saudi uh, Sports Commission, or the Sports Authority, whatever the fuck they call themselves, especially after the whole Jamal Khashoggi deal. Now, if you if you do want to check out that episode, I do I do not for the life of me remember what episode it is, but I do I did talk about this at length. You can find it that on the podcast here guarantee you you can find it it'll take you a little bit because there's a lot of episodes that i've done i've done over the past year plus but i did speak at length about the uh, whole jamal khashoggi deal like i said if you do want to if you are interested in hearing about that please do check out that episode i went into full detail i read plenty of articles in terms of this whole deal this is i think it was one of my better episodes i love recording the episode because that really got me into really wanting to get in depth and especially with stories like that um, talking and then correlating it with WWE and what they're going to be doing going forward. At this point, Crown Jewel can suck my balls. Fuck Crown Jewel. 
It is a mockery of an event. An absolute joke of an event. And I'm hearing that WWE is trying to request that women's matches take place at Crown Jewel next year. Now, last time I checked, Saudi Arabia um, has a little thing called uh, fuck you, and we don't do that over here. That's real shit. I didn't give a fuck less about what they're going to do with Kane Velasquez and Brock Lesnar for the WWE Championship. You once again have done what you have done. You literally did three weeks ago yesterday. Three weeks ago yesterday. You literally made the dumbest mistake of your life by having a non-finish at Hell in a Cell and calling a a referee stoppage mind you this is being in air quotes for the Seth Rollins Bray Wyatt match now they are fucking lucky they're going to be in Saudi Arabia because they know because they know for a fact that once a year they get to see their favorite super wrestling superstars in Saudi Arabia at this very fucking moment I believe Raw is going to be not playing with a full fucking deck. Why? Because more than likely, well, I'm not exactly sure if they have already started their travel to Saudi Arabia, but hold on. Actually, we're going to see where Raw is tonight. Where is Raw emanating from tonight? There we go. Where is Raw emanating from tonight? Insult my intelligence, please. Insult my fucking intelligence. Ooh. Ooh. A little bit of the bubbly. So from St. Louis, Missouri. Let, let, let's see what let's see what Raw got on the table tonight. Now I'll see if I can give you a recommendation as to whether you should watch this show or not. Okay, okay. Tonight's WWE Raw will take place from the Enterprise Center in St. Louis, Missouri with the final hype for WWE Crown Jewel. Matches announced tonight include Ricochet versus Drew McIntyre. Seen it. WWE Women's Tag Team Champion Kyrie Sane versus Raw Women's Champion Becky Lynch. Ooh. You have my attention there. WWE Universal Champion Seth Rollins versus Eric Rowan in a Falls Count Anywhere Plus, Rusev and Lana on King's Court and appearances by WWE Hall of Famers Hulk Hogan and Ric Flair. (laughs) WWE is that fucking stupid. Why? I'll explain why. Very quickly, of course. Why would you have Seth Rollins compete in a Falls Count Anywhere match three days before you have him compete in a Falls Count Anywhere match against Bray Wyatt for the WWE Universal Championship? You're fucking dumb. Second, Rusev and Lana will take their quarrel to the King's Court. You're pretty much doing Divorce Court, and I don't give a shit. Um, Hulk Hogan, Ric Flair, seeing it. Ricochet then faces Drew McIntyre. I've seen that more times than I like to admit. Yeah, I'm not recommending Roddy tonight. 
I'm not doing it. In good conscience, I'm not going to do it. I would never do it for you guys, and I can't do it in good, in good faith to actually let you guys watch Raw. If you watch, if you're going to watch Raw tonight, one, as always, I pray for your sanity. Two, I hope your sanity is maintained throughout. Three, I hope you have a bottle of NyQuil handy, or bleach, or um, a, a good bottle of gin. Don't don't sleep on the gin. Mix it with a little bit of ginger ale. Promise you, you'll be laughing. Anyway, getting into this next article from WrestlingInc.com, Becky Lynch replies to Jim Ross after he calls her the most over WWE superstar from Kelly Halot. Oh my God, I just it's Kelly Halot. I am sorry if I butchered your last name, baby girl, but it bees with it bees. Earlier today, was it today? 26th, today's 28th, on Saturday, earlier in Saturday morning, former WWE commentator, now AEW commentator, Jim Ross, called WWE Raw Women's Champion, Becky Lynch, the most over-talent in WWE. Eh, if you told me that two months ago, yes. It all started after someone tagged JR in a tweet that Seth Rollins wrote that, and said that Rollins was referring to JR. Rollins' tweet was, come hang out with me and my super over fiance." Jim Ross replied to the Twitter user, quote, as he should. Becky Lynch is the most over talent in WWE, in my opinion, just saying. Becky Lynch thanked him and even said that she could whoop the AEW Women's Division at any day of the week and twice on Sunday. Her full tweet was, quote, nothing but respect, JR, you're an amazing announcer. So go down to the locker room and announce that I would whoop your women, whole women's division any day of the week and twice on Sundays. Here's the interaction from uh, <laughs> with a picture of Seth Rollins wearing a pink swimming cap, uh, some red board shorts with pineapples on them, and some star spangled floaties. Bruh, this how we doing it in 2019, my guy? This 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 how we gonna do it? This is this this is just how we gonna roll in 2019. You're going to have a pink, a purple pink swimming cap with, boy, okay, now I'm not even going to start, Ro- roasting session will not be in session today, ladies and gentlemen, I'm not even going to take that, because it is just too fucking easy, anywho, so, the, the interaction went on something like this, uh, from Gorilla Position, WWE GP, uh, quote, to confirm, uh, Seth Rollins is, is cool, who wouldn't want to spend the evening with this cool customer. If you haven't got your tickets for WWG, WWE, hashtag WWE GP Live on December 11th in London with Seth and Becky Lynch. Get them here. Seth Rollins then says, come hang out with me and my super over fiance. And it pretty much goes talking about the um, article. But, eh. Could she? Probably. There's a lot of talent, though, in AEW that AEW hasn't just used yet for their women's division. And I hope, especially going into full gear, knowing that we have um, two episodes left before full gear um, next weekend, maybe they may have someone face Rio for the championship. We don't know. Maybe Rio has the night off. Um, who fucking knows? But at the end of the day, Becky's still over. Um I thought it was pretty funny seeing Seth Rollins in the picture that we saw. Um, like I said, if you do check out the article, you will laugh your ass off if you need to laugh. 
Um, seeing Seth Rollins in a pink swimming cap with Star Spangled Floaties uh, will usually make your fucking day. And Applebee's is really enticing me to get 25 cent bonus wings right now. And it's the Buffalo. Oh, dining only? Oh, okay. So if you were planning on getting bonus wings for uh, for pickup, it's only dining only. Sorry, ladies and gentlemen. Anyway, we've got a couple more articles before we get the fuck out of here. This one kind of pissed me off. Not because of who said it, but because of the situation at hand. From WrestlingNews.co, Ryback, Rusev is in contract negotiations with WWE. Lana Lashley Angle meant to embarrass him. Ladies and gentlemen, I give to you your no fucking shit moment of the day. This is from Paul Davis, and this was from Saturday. There is apparently some smoke to those rumors about Rusev's contract with WWE about to expire. While talking to Raj Giri on Ryback TV, it was revealed that Rusev is currently in contract negotiations with WWE. This came up after Ryback and Giri discussed the Mike and Maria Kanellis angle. Ryback said the angle is meant to make Kanellis look bad and lower his value so he can't get signed anywhere else after his contract expires. In regards to Rusev, Ryback said, quote, I can tell you for a fact with Rusev and that whole angle, he's in contract negotiations right now. I love Rusev. I talked to him. I think he's fucking stupid for doing this angle. It's acting and it's fake. But now they have control over your character over a really shitty angle that could be humiliating if you choose not to resign. He's going to look horrendous in all of this and they got him. They put him in a shitty angle while contract negotiations are going on and if he resigns, it will probably work itself out. He's going to look really good in it and then they're going to use him for a bit. And then it's going to go back to what they've done. Or he's going to choose not to resign and they are going to humiliate those two like no other. My opinion, but I've seen it done before. End quote. He then continues, quote, again, I love Rusev, but that is what's going on in the situation and whatnot. Unless he did resign and it's going to pay off huge for him. It's still a very, with real life couples, it's a very odd thing. It's not clear when Rusev's contract expires, but Dave Meltzer reported back in June that his deal was set to expire relatively soon. Earlier this year, Rusev expressed his frustration with his spot in WWE. Here's what he said on Lillian Garcia's podcast, quote, I fight for everything. I do want to look my best. I do want to be at my best because I want to be WWE champion. I want to be on top. I don't want to be forgotten, but that's what irks me is I do all these things, but nothing changes. And that is where the frustration comes. What am I supposed to do? I cut my hair. I did that. It was not a good decision, end quote. At this point, it wouldn't be a shock to see Rusev stay with WWE, especially if they threw huge money at him, but nobody ever expected to see Jon Moxley and Chris Jericho leave WWE and jump to AEW. Let me tell you why I have a problem with the whole Rusev cuck angle. It all started with the angle that Mike and Maria Canellis had. Now, for those of you who've been living under a rock or just decided not to give a shit about pretty much Raw at this point, Mike Canellis was in an angle with his wife. Maria stated that she is pregnant with their second child. Well, her second child. But exclaimed, but claimed that Mike was not the father of said child. Yes, you are hearing this right. 
Like I said, if you've been living under a rock, I am filling you in with what's going on right now. Maria had stated they were having their second child. And Mike was not the father. That is the angle that they're running with. Or they were. What they were going to do was pretty much have a whole Maury show type deal angle where they were going to, you know, figure out who the actual father was of Maria's baby. So, when news broke that Mike Kanellis actually asked for his release, now this being after the fact that they signed a five-year deal with the company because they're fucking idiots, now all of a sudden Mike Kanellis asked for his release. So they pretty much do in WWE fashion what they always do, bury them. Simple as that. Now, how does this correlate with Rusev? It's quite simple, actually. All they did was take that angle that they were using, well, the cug angle, and they took that and put it on Rusev. Rusev made his return, his triumphant return to WWE, Going to be a part of the five-on-five tag match with Team Hogan versus Team Flair Crown Jewel. Again, I don't give a shit. And Bobby Lashley made his triumphant return. Oh, wait, hold on. Bobby Trashley made his triumphant return to WWE and brought out Rusev's actual wife, Lana. They then make out on top of the ramp in front of Rusev. Yeah. And ever since then, they have run with this angle. Lashley being in the same bed as Lana. Lana and Lashley having a spa day together with Lashley massaging Lana. Rusev, baby. You're a great talent. You have world champion written all over you, my dude. The fact that you are dealing with this angle is a disgrace to everything that is WWE. How in God's fucking name Would any man that is married, whose wife also works in the WWE, be okay with running this angle? Let's keep it all the way funky and keep it all the way a buck. Any man whose wife is also in the same company as them. In terms of professional wrestling, be okay with this angle, with this cuck angle, should be ashamed of themselves. Absolutely ashamed of themselves. Rusev deserves better than this. Mike Kanellis 
is just a complete dumbass. I understand. You know, you're finishing up, you know, and I, I do commend Mike Kanellis for getting out of rehab, you know, fighting his demons, and, you know, getting himself the help that he needed to better himself and be better as a father, a husband, and a man as a whole. I commend him for that. Always and forever. No man, no person ever should have to have to go through that in their life. No person should ever have to deal with that. But to resign a five, but to resign and have a five-year deal, knowing now what they know with that cup angle, with with W, with allowing WWE creative. To have the balls to run this angle, to have a Maury style angle. If I want to watch the Maury show, I'll go watch the fucking Maury show. It's quite entertaining and very educational if you if you actually watch the show the right way. But to have it act and, and and of all people, Maury Povich on Twitter actually saying, "If we if you need help figuring out who the father is, we can help you." I guarantee fucking take that if Mike Canellis never asked for his release, that's the route they were going to go. They were gonna have Maury be on the show. They were gonna have this whole Maury angle, and we were gonna find out who the actual father. Of their of the set of Maria's second child was. If I'm Mike Canellis, I should look, I should feel like a complete idiot. This also goes for Gallows and Anderson signing a five-year deal when they should have left for AEW, but WWE decided somehow, some way, told them they were going to have a great angle. They were going to be, you know, tag team champions. And they were. All for about two, three weeks. Let this be a lesson. To all those in WWE right now. And I'm not saying this because I I love AEW. I love WWE as well. I, I want WWE to be better than it is now. That's why I talk so much shit. Because I can't. I do truly care. And for WWE to run these angles, to run these so-called feuds, to do this, to insult the fans' intelligence, it's disrespectful to us as much as it is to them. And that's facts. No print. I hope Rusev does not resign. I hope Lana doesn't resign. I hope after all is said and done, Rusev tells Vince McMahon to go fuck himself. Not resign, wait three months, and then go to AEW. With Lana in tow. Because I guarantee you, the angle that you could have with Rusev and Cody Rhodes, with Brandy Rhodes in his corner, and Lana in Rusev's, oh yeah. I'd be all for that immediately. Rusev deserves better than this. 
Mike Kanellis deserves better than this, but he did it to himself when he signed that deal. Rusev has a chance to get out and not resign. I hope that he doesn't resign. The chances of him resigning, though, are more than likely. But preferably, if I'm Rusev, I'm telling, I'm giving Vince McMahon the middle finger, and I'm waiting until my contract is done. I'll wait my 90 days for no for the no comp no uh, compete clause. Perfectly fine. Let's just let's just hypothetically say my contract ends in November. I can wait three months. December, January, February. Come March, I'm signing with AEW. Yeah. Rusev, make the smart choice. And to finish off today's episode of the Young Lions Projective, episode 122, WWE is considering a heel turn for a top tag team. This is from Paul Davis from yesterday. A change is on the way for former WWE SmackDown Tag Team Champions, The New Day. Also, by the way, this is from WrestlingNews.co. I'll leave that out. Xavier Woods will be out of action for several months and possibly up to one year. Now, he did have an Achilles injury. I believe he tore his Achilles, and that usually is a killer for a lot of people. Now, me personally, I've never had an Achilles injury, knock on wood. Um, But an Achilles tear usually means you're gone for pretty much a year. So Kofi Kingston and Big E will have to move forward as a two-man team, but the feeling on the group from WWE management is that a change is needed. On Friday's episode of SmackDown, Kingston and Big E lost to Robert Roode and Dolph Ziggler. Fans have also been pointing out how Kingston lost the WWE Championship to Brock Lesnar several weeks ago, and Kingston is just going on as if nothing happened, and his loss to Lesnar hasn't been focused on too much. I'm told that this will be addressed soon in a big way, and there has been talk about doing something different with the New Day. There have been suggestions made up made to break up Kingston and Big E, but I'm told a heel turn is what Vince McMahon, excuse me, has been seriously considering. The New Day heel turn idea is not new. Excuse me. Need to get some water there. WWE was considering turning them heel in late 2016 when they lost the Raw Tag Team titles to Sheamus and Cesaro because the feeling was that the group was getting stale. But merchandise sales were so strong that the heel turn idea was scrapped. Kingston and Biggie will be part of the tag team turmoil match at Crown Jewel this Thursday. This match will also include Heavy Machinery, the B Team, the Viking Raiders, I'm sorry, the War Raiders, Dolph Ziggler and Robert Roode, Lucha House Party, Zack Ryder and Kurt Hawkins, The Revival, Luke Gallows, and Carl Anderson. Um. What does... Let me see if they have any more. Nope, that's the end of the article there. So, I personally, when the New Day first came to me, ooh, excuse me, I was hoping that they would be I was hoping that they would turn heel at that point when they first formed this was right after Xavier Woods was in a tag team with R-Truth I believe I'm not mistaken Kingston and Biggie were just three guys you know just 
waiting in the waters of WWE. They came together and became the New Day. Now, in the beginning, they were looked at as a heel tag team. That was what they were going to run with. Kind of the remnants of the Nation of Domination. And I loved the Nation of Domination back in the day. I was a big fan of the Nation of Domination with Farouk, with Savio Vega, with The Rock, Kamala Mustafa. No, wait, no, Savio Vega was never, you know, he was pretty good. Um, he was, and Kamala uh, Mustafa, D'Lo Brown. Mark Henry was also part of the group at one point. And I believe, if I'm not mistaken, Ahmed, uh, Ahmed Johnson may have been a member of the, of the NOD. Which was kind of a uh, weird flex, if you honestly think about it, because Ahmed Johnson, for the longest time, was an enemy of the Nation of Domination, which is kind of like, which is why it's okay, okay, weird flex in itself. Um, so they were supposed to be a heel team, out the gate. But they got so over that they became a face team. Then came the whole, they were supposed, they were going to turn heel in 2016, and of course, like I spoke before, that didn't happen. Now, the fact that they're doing, possibly doing this, now, and possibly making Kingston and Big E heels, I don't know. It could work. But I would have preferred had they began that they began as a heel tag team and then became the babyface tag team that we know and love today. The power of positivity, all that shit. Because they could have really been a superior. I actually thought they could have been a kick ass tag, uh, heel team. I really thought they were going to be a kick-ass heel team. As far as it goes now, it could work. It all depends on how they actually go about it. It all depends on how they really make this work. Now, we have seen over the past few weeks Kofi Kingston get all types of booty hurt because he did lose the championship in eight fucking seconds. And that will honestly piss a man off to the point where he might just go over the edge. So that's your grounds boom for Kofi. That's your Kofi part. Now, as far as big egos, I don't know how they do that. A lot of people for the longest time have been wanting to see Biggie turn heel. A lot of people still wanted to see Kingston turn heel break and break up the new day. I don't think that will ever happen. I have always been a fan of you can have each of them gun for championships as singles competitors while still remaining as a tag team. Now, like I said, could it work? It's possible. It's possible that it could work. It all honestly depends on how they actually make this happen. Now, they've been slow burning Kofi for a little bit, so they definitely could be pulling this off right now and it could lead into a a, a tag team turmoil. It could happen. 
and the possibility is there. But we'll see what happens with these two in the weeks to come. If they do pull, if they do make the call, if they do pull it off, I would be, I wouldn't be surprised by it in the slightest because honestly, the now with, with Xavier Woods now out of the picture for now, I definitely think this could be the case. I definitely think they could make this work, but we'll see what happens in the coming in the coming weeks um, in terms of whether they make the heel turn for the new day or not. And that, ladies and gentlemen is going to conclude episode 122 of the Young Lions Perspective. We're going to take a short break, and of course, we're going to close out the show in proper YLP fashion and get you prepared for episode 123 of the Young Lions Perspective. We'll be right back. You think you know Well, guys, that's going to be it for episode 122 of the Young Lions Perspective. That's all. Thank you guys so much for taking time out of your day, your night, your afternoon, 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 Anchor.fm slash Young Lions Perspective. Hit me up with a voice message. We can, you can give me an opinion on anything you want in the world of professional wrestling or anything outside of professional wrestling. It doesn't matter. Hit me up with a voice message. And if I like it enough, I tell you, and you have my word, that I will feature your voice message on a future episode of the Young Lions Perspective. If you did enjoy this episode, do not hesitate to tell a friend. To tell a friend about the Young Lions Perspective, share this episode across all your social media your Instagram, your Facebooks, your Twitters, whatever you got. Let the people know that the Young Lions perspective is your alternative for professional wrestling podcast and that we are here to stay. Now, I know most of y'all do not have the Anchor app, and I do appreciate every single one of y'all that checks me out on all the other different platforms. It's it's much appreciated. They are showing love on separate platforms, man. It does really mean a lot for for real, y'all. Do not know, um, y'all have no idea how much it means to me. We are checking it out, not just on the Anchor app, but on several different platforms. What are those several different platforms? You ask. Well, glad you asked. You can find this podcast, of course, across several different platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Overcast, Radio Public. Pocket Cast, Castbox FM, Stitcher Radio, and of course that good old Spotify fam. Search for the Young Lions Perspective across all these different platforms, and you should have no problem finding it whatsoever. If you want to stay up to date with everything that's going on with the YLP podcast, any breaking news I may do, any sixty-second videos I may make on the product as a whole, whether I'm talking shit or actually praising uh, something going down. Or if I'm just doing any live tweeting, which I usually do during the week, you can of course follow me on Twitter at Suede Senator WWI. That's S U E D E S E N A T O R Capital W Capital W Capital I. I do live tweeting for AEW because it bees what it bees. AEW SmackDown Live. Every AEW live pay-per-view, every WWE live pay-per-view, and if I have nothing else better to do at 2 a.m. in the morning, which is very rare, and I have a day off, 
I do live tweeting for New Japan Pro Wrestling as well. If you guys want to follow me over on Instagram, which is the mothership, the hub, the everything that is the YLP podcast, follow me over there at young underscore lions underscore perspective. Follow me on both of these platforms to stay up to date with everything that's going on with the Young Lions Perspective podcast. So episode 123 will be coming your way this Thursday afternoon. Before, of course, NFL football, and I be- I'm not exactly sure who is playing this week. I haven't really checked up on that, but of course, y'all, uh, besides my prediction on the game itself, I will also be talking about AEW Dynamite. I know it's been a couple of weeks since I've done an AEW Dynamite review. It's actually been a couple of weeks since I've actually watched an episode of AEW Dynamite live. I've been keeping up with it as best as I possibly can, and of course, I talked about the schedule at the beginning of the show. Um, so here's how the schedule is going to go in my head going forward. On Monday, if we're not doing a good, the bad, and the ugly, that is whatever pay-per-view we are talking about, we are going to be doing news of the weekend. Pretty much we're going to be talking about all of, the, all of the news that came out of the weekend as best as I possibly can, and we're going to be talking about it like that. So Mondays are usually going to be either news of the weekend or they're going to be the good, the bad, and the ugly that was whatever pay-per-view was come passing. I will not be doing a good, the bad, and the ugly that was Crown Jewel. You have my word. Crown Jewel is not worth my time, and I'm not planning on it. So the next time we do the good, the bad, and the ugly, we will be talking about, of course, AEW Full Gear. And I think that's going to be a fun pay-per-view to watch. Hopefully not as much bad and ugly as I think it's going to be. And, you know, we'll go with that. So that's what we're going to do for Mondays. For Wednesdays, from here on out, we will be doing, of course, it's all about preview and predictions. I will make my picks for the upcoming pay-per-view. And, of course, next Wednesday, I will be doing my... Now, the, the funky part about that is with AEW Dynamite, that will be subject to change depending on, you know, how everything goes. I may do it next Thursday with a, along with AEW Dynamite Review. As long as they fill out the remainder of the card for full gear, we may do it next Thursday. We'll, fig- we'll play it by ear and we'll see how it goes. But Wednesdays are typically going to be simply preview predictions. Nothing else, no more, no less. That's all we need. Thursday will be AEW Dynamite Review. Friday will be NXT review. And your weekends will be, of course, not only be complete with football, happiness, and good stuff. NXT UK reviews are making their comeback. I've been beating myself in the head that I've not really checked out NXT UK the past couple weeks. I know what's going on, but I haven't been able to watch the matches and all that goodness. So that's the schedule going forward. So Monday will be will be the good, the bad, and the ugly, or news of the weekend, depending on if there's a pay-per-view happening the weekend prior. Wednesdays will be strictly preview and predictions for the upcoming pay-per-view that week. Thursday is your AEW Dynamite review. Friday will be your NXT review. And on the weekends, barring any changes, of course, or anything's going on with me, I will keep you guys informed as much as possible. NXT U. K review. So until Thursday afternoon, guys, enjoy the rest of your night. I know Miami and Pittsburgh are playing tonight, and I'm going with the Pittsburgh Steelers to defeat Miami Dolphins by the score of 28 
213. Other than that, guys, enjoy the rest of your week, and we will see each other again on Thursday afternoon for episode 123 of Young Lions Perspective. See you!